Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is 9.35 Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 12th day of the 6th month of 2023, and this is episode 745 of Bitcoin and, well, Zapfertising. If you haven't listened to me talk about Zapfertising before, uh, you might want to listen up because this is is a thing, especially now because Domus... JB55 or William, uh, hold on, uh, uh, decided to include a way for the notion of Zapfertising to be evident. There's an actual mechanic now in Domus on iOS for the good Nostra client, by the way. If you're not using Domus on iOS, you should give it a shot. Um, Anyway. A mechanic has been introduced where Zapfertising is now more than just a theory. It's it's an actual thing. And the mechanic was introduced because of Zapfertising. And who came up with Zapfertising? Well, it was Walker. Uh, at Walker on Noster. Uh, he wrote a piece for BTC Times. I've, I, I read it to you a few shows back. I'm not exactly sure. Actually, I I can be sure if you'll give me just a second, I can type into my handy dandy search engine on my personal knowledge management system that is Obsidian, Zap Advertising. And there it is, episode 718. So in 718, I covered Zap Advertising, and there should be a read of the BTC Times article that Walker wrote about the theory of Zap Advertising. And what it is, just in a nutshell, is that <clears throat> I can, when I zap somebody's note on Noster, it could be anybody's note. It doesn't matter whose note. Uh, I can put a comment in there. Well, I, I can put all kinds of stuff in that comment. I can say, you know, good for you. I can say good morning. I can say everything is, you know, bit, bit, only Bitcoin matters. But I could also put in an image. And how's that image go in? Well, in Domus, essentially the only way that you get an image in the zap, it, well, when you're zapping somebody in the comment line is to throw in a URL to like uh, Imager or something like that. Uh, that way the picture will, will render in Domus when that note comes up. And But also I can put in a URL for like the Bitcoin and show on Fountain. Because there's there's a URL that will take you directly to the show. I use it all the time. I can also put in a URL that takes somebody to a specific episode, if I so choose. If I zap that note with, say, 100 Satoshis, and nobody else has zapped that note at all. Well, let's say I zap it with one Satoshi and put in the URL for uh, for the Bitcoin and show. 
and nobody else zaps it, then no, on Domus, at least, whoever opens that note, the original note that I zapped, they're going to see a rendered version of a media card from me down below the note. And it will persist there until somebody does what? Zaps, some, zaps that same note with two Satoshis, in which case my, my zap rolls off means you won't see it. So when you go to a note and you're like, oh, look, that's like, I want to see, you know, who commented on this note. If I zap one Satoshi and I've got the URL for the Bitcoin and show, it's going to be the first comment, even though it's not a comment. And you will see the rendered version of what it is that I'm trying to sell, which is the Bitcoin and show. And so there's only one that will pop up and it's the highest zapped amount. And this is goes for anybody's note. If I zap somebody and do the same thing on snort.social, it won't show up as a rendered card that because the mechanic isn't involved in snort.social. But if I do it from snort.social, it will render just like I said, in Domus. anybody who's got this mechanic going on in their Nostra client client, the Zapfertisement will show as the first quote-unquote comment under anybody's note. And anybody who wants to trump somebody else's note and sell their item, they have to actually zap more than I did. And yeah, I'm sure that there's people out there going, oh, great advertisements. But you got to understand, the person that I'm paying for this advertisement is the note maker themselves. That's the difference. This is pleb advertising at its best. And we all owe our, you know, we all owe it to Walker for coming up with a theory. And then we owe it to Will or JB55 for installing the mechanic that will render the first note as a basically a pinned comment to anybody's note, depending on how much you zapped it. If you're the highest zapped amount, your your zap will be the first comment. And then the actual comments will come down after that. It's brilliant. It's br- and by the way, it seems to work because every time I do this and I put the show's URL, about an hour later, I get a boost in listenership. At least that's what it seems. There's no direct metric that I can make that will actually, you know, say definitively that that is in fact what's going on. But almost every time that I've done a advertisement, about an hour later, 30 minutes later, I get a boost in the amount of down or well downloads and listens or whatever SoundCloud calls them. It's kind of confusing um, for the show or for a particular episode. It's it works. And I want to incorporate this into the Circle P. Of course, I'm not going to do the Circle P advertisements until later in the show. But I I want you to consider that Zapfertisements are not evil. Okay, just stand back, take a breath. Because who are who is getting the Satoshis? The person that made the note that I'm advertising on. And if I want my note to show and somebody put up gave them a thousand sats for their for you know their zap i've got to put in a thousand and one satoshi so who who wins well it's kind of a win-win situation because i win because my show media card is going to actually show in the comments and that person just doubled the amount of zaps you know the doubled the amount of satoshis that they got so if so like for for instance if somebody zaps my notes 
with, you know, whatever it is they're selling, A, I can't do anything about that. And B, I'm getting those Satoshis. They're paying me to advertise. This is a completely different model of advertising than anybody's ever seen. And if you like, and this is what I say about artificial intelligence, if you're not studying how it works, then you're going to be its victim. Okay. You don't want to be anything's victim. And the only way to get out of victimhood is to learn the mechanics of the things that could possibly make you a victim. Don't be a victim. Learn how to advertise. Learn that it's not evil. Understand that the person getting the Satoshis for that advertisement is the actual pleb themselves and not some super big, you know, multinational conglomerate. All right. So thank you, Walker, for introducing the notion of advertising. Thank you, JB55, for figuring out how to actually install that as a real life mechanic in Domus. Now, getting on with it, let's go to this one. This one really piqued my interest. And this is a note from Reverend Hoddle. And in fact, I did zapvertise on this particular note. But there's there's some real there's some real meat and potatoes in this one. He says, Hey Nostriges, PV GM DR, which means do do dobre Rano, I think is how you pronounce it. Pretty sure that's uh, Portuguese in either event. Since Nostrica 2023, I've been inspired to dig through the exciting developments occurring primarily in social while looking to find a project built on the protocol, but for an alternative use case. Yesterday, I may have found what I've been searching for. While currently very early and running on Lightning Testnet, I've seen a fully functional P2P ride-sharing application using Nostra Relays and HTLCs. Riders and drivers bid for the fee, and the HTLC ensures there's no risk of double spend or rugging. As cool as the above tech was for me to see, the cool part for me was when it was explained that this open-source project is built to seamlessly integrate within existing clients that choose to recognize the kind Now, I'm pausing here to remind you that when he says kind, what he's talking about is event kind. When I put out a note on Nostr, that's of event kind one, simple text, right? There are many different kinds of events, and I'm going to get to that, all right? But that's what he means when he says kind. So, a mobile client like Domus or Amethyst could allow or filter the data kind to populate the user's notes, open a map to drop navigation pins, etc., and transact all within the user's preferred client, thus leveraging or enhancing these popular tools in their respective network effects. E.g., it means free example, the rider sends out a request for a car at 40,000 Satoshis. The driver can accept and reply with an HTLC-based invoice or respond with a counteroffer invoice of the same Uh, of the same kind. That's market dynamics. Star rating, feedback, back, etc. That needs to be added, but the framework is there and operational. My goal would to get this working in Cuba where taxis, colectivos, oh, he's in Cuba, okay. Private cars are essential for travel by Cubanos. Drivers can link their InPub and details independently. Why Cuba? 
uh, they are hurting badly since lockdowns. This is a humanitarian need, and cars are critical transportational infrastructure here or there. Independent banking, circular economy, etc., etc., all add to the appeal. Cuba is using the United States dollar, so you can fill in the blanks from there. I'm in contact with the developer of this MVP who is building this primarily on the back end. He needs front-end and design help. He needs more testers, the LN testnet being the limiting factor as most users are not on testnet. Some development funds and sats wouldn't hurt, and guidance from the knowledge base in abundance here on Nostra would be huge. Full disclosure, I have no investment claims or investment or claims in this project. I'm merely hoping to mentor and bring some gray beard experience to keep the pace of the progress achieved thus far. If this interests you or someone you may know, please ping me. We can make the introductions and see where it goes. Building on Bitcoin and Noster, let's reimagine our world. Okay. Now, here's what really, really got to me was this, the notion of filtering. Let's see if I can find it again. Okay. He says, so a mobile client like Domus or Amethyst could allow, in parentheses, filter the data kind to populate the user's notes. And I'm going to stop right there. Think of Domus or any client with a set of buttons. And each one of those buttons, maybe it came down from the client and there's like two or three, you can hit that button and it automatically reconfigures that client to only accept different kinds of notes. Like it no longer accepts uh, notes of kind one. So you won't see just somebody who says, hey, good morning in Pura Vida. Uh, You won't see that. What you will see is the kinds that are filtered for. So let's say this kind about a ride sharing app is like, a, I don't know, like a event kind 7,026, whatever. <clears throat> and you get that. And then you get another event kind, which may be something to do with mapping. And then maybe just a third event kind that somehow brings another type of event to the party that makes it all work, right? And that's all your client does now. It doesn't do anything else. You can't you can't send any kind of other event other than the kinds that are being filtered for. So what did that do? It transformed your Nostra client from one functionality to a completely different functionality and you're not changing apps. See, that's the point. You didn't you're not outside of Domus. You're still in Domus. You just hit a button. And it completely reconfigures. I think of the transformers. Bumblebee goes in. He he can trans. He's like a robot, and then he can transform into a kick-ass yellow Corvette or whatever the car that he transforms is into is. Right. It transforms the client. Same thing. You didn't get a different app for ride sharing. You didn't get a like I don't know a Noster ride sharing app that only does that. No, you just hit a button. Let's say you want your Domus client to turn into a point of sale register. Hit the button. Maybe that button's already pre-configured. Or maybe there's a customization feature in Domus that allows you to design your own button. And you can string together your own event kinds. And yeah, that would get a little dicey, you know, because where we are in this. But I view it, the future is this. That any Noster client has the ability to be a full-blown Swiss army knife and can do multiple things 
without having to build a new client. All you have to do is filter the event kinds and maybe activate a little like little snippets of code that are basically deactivated in the default client look. Do you see what I'm getting at? What else could you do? Of uh, picking up food for people like a DoorDash. Maybe there's a DoorDash button on Domus that converts Domus into being able to get invoices and requests for picking up food at Taco Bell. Just I'm just saying. Think about that. Now think about that. And now think about Zapvertising. And I'm not talking about putting them together. I'm talking about like you, you've got what you're ending up with here is that Nostr is, is something that is becoming. Zapvertising was already turned on. It only needed someone like Walker to discover it. Nobody in Nostr, they didn't put that in there on purpose. It was just, it's, it's what's called an emergent property. And Walker's like, you know, given the way that Nostra works, what if we did this and he did that? And it was such a good idea that JB55 or William, designer of Domus, decided to make that a physical mechanic inside of Domus, the Domus client for Nostra. And now we have this notion that we can maybe convert Domus at the touch tap of a button and activating filters and maybe some uh, code snippets that are otherwise deactivated to turn the whole damn thing into a ride sharing app. It's all in the same app. You want to convert back? Okay. You can get different events kind, and then you can convert back to the ride sharing app and it holds your place. You know exactly where you were, what client you were picking up. It's an all in one option or all, what, what did I call it? Uh, it's an all-in-one solution. How many different things can Noster actually do? This is one of the reasons why I think Noster is just as important as Bitcoin at this point. It doesn't deal with money. It deals with communications, but it also it has the ability to somehow or another have, allow you to focus on communication types. I find it fascinating. If anybody's got any ideas uh, how to do that, uh, feel free to, to to boost me with those things. Now, let's get into the news. Argentina is ready to support Bitcoin with gathering and event in Buenos Aires. I love pronouncing that particular word. All right. Let's see. This is Bitcoin Magazine written by BTC Casey. Argentina's Bitcoin community is gearing up for a significant event this Saturday, June the 10th. Oh, it's already passed as they plan to assemble a giant human Bitcoin symbol at the Campo Argentino de Polo in the city of Buenos Aires. The gathering organized by NGO Bitcoin Argentina, pausing to say NGO means non-governmental organization. Keep that in mind. Some of these, some NGOs are not they're not good they're not good people they're not good systems hopefully bitcoin argentina is anyway the gathering organized by bitcoin argentina marks the organization's 10-year anniversary and aims to promote the advantages of bitcoin in the blockchain ecosystem with the support of numerous companies and organizations in the sector thousands of participants are expected to send a strong message about monetary and financial freedom jimena vallon the executive director of Bitcoin Argentina expressed her excitement about the event, stating, quote, June 10th 
will be historic for the crypto community. For the first time, a giant human, and then it's Bitcoin symbol in the in the parentheses, will be assembled with thousands of people to show that in the face of a world in crisis, unstable, uh, the crypto industry is stronger than ever. It's a terrible sentence. <laughs> the event is open to the public and requires prior registration. Okay, that happened. I won't get into the rest of the article because the, the, it, it happened on June the 10th. But a bunch of people with orange umbrellas assembled in, I don't know, don't know where, but it was a very sizable piece of land. And a few thousand people got together and made the Bitcoin symbol. And it was, it was awesome. So all these people just came together. It was a kind of a spontaneous thing while BTC Prague was going on. Of course, this is in Argentina. There's so much going on. I keep thinking like when I first saw the the whole advertise or the whole story about the umbrella orange umbrellas and the Bitcoin symbol, I thought it was part of BTC Prague. No, it's completely on the other, on the opposite end of an ocean. This is going on same weekend in freaking Argentina. It this it it, it may it f- does my heart good. Okay, Gareth Jenkinson. This one is Coin Telegraph. Bitcoin to fight against European challenges, says Northern Lightning founder. The Bitcoin community in Europe continues to be a voice in combating social problems affecting the continent, according to podcast host Eric Dale. The founder and CEO of Northern Lightning Conferences, which hosts several Bitcoin events across Europe, believes the continent's Bitcoin community is fostering ideals that will be crucial to address ongoing conflict situations and social issues. Speaking to Cointelegraph journalist Joe Hall during BTC Prague 2023 in the Czech Republic, Dale highlighted Bitcoin's unique position to combat social and economic injustice in Europe, given the plethora of startups and companies building various tools for the preeminent cryptocurrency. Quote, Europe is a continent that faces challenges of war, of migration, of government overreach, and a lot of people see Bitcoin as a way to get out of Europe as a form of exit. I'm here to say that Bitcoin is also a voice, end quote. Dale believes that the wider Bitcoin community across Europe is building an ecosystem of ideas that could influence the continent's development into the future. War remains a concern for the Bitcoin for Breakfast podcast host as the Ukrainian-Russian conflict rages on. While nation-states battle against each other, Bitcoin proponents also face an uphill battle in their campaign for the adoption of a decentralized set of financial tools, quote, I don't think the battle for decentralization with Bitcoin will be any different. I think there will be parallels to it. We can probably look at the Reformation and the very shaky compromises which led to religious wars and civil strife, end quote. Dale hopes to see Bitcoin become part of a new age, peaceful monetary revolution, taking inspirations from the Czech Republic's fight against Nazism and communism in the past. Quote, It was a velvet revolution here in Prague that showed us just how peacefully we can throw off a seemingly entrenched and corrupt system like fiat or communism. End quote. Regulation of the cryptocurrency space has been a major talking point across Europe over the past two years, with the European Union taking steps to develop a comprehensive regulatory framework for the industry. The Markets and Crypto Asset Bill is set to come into effect in 2024, introducing a host of requirements for cryptocurrency exchanges and ecosystem participants to use and trade cryptocurrencies on the continent. Yeah, if there's any exchanges left, let me just throw that out there. If there's any exchanges left, then yeah, they'll have to come into uh, 
into uh, compliance with this 2024 crypto assets bill that's that's going to take root in in Europe. I I don't know about exchanges at this point. You know what's going on out there. You're not dumb. You've seen it. You you you've seen the tweets. You've seen the notes. You've seen what's going on over at Reddit. It's you know. Binance and and Coinbase, it's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. So my, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of exchanges left. The only exchanges that are going to be left are going to be Bitcoin only exchanges and therefore not really an exchange other than maybe getting licensure to make sure that they can deal in various foreign currencies, you know, fiat so that people can exchange fiat for crypto on an on and off ramp style or crypto. I'm sorry, Bitcoin. Uh, I should be slapped, but you get what I'm saying. I don't know how, how much this uh, forest fire that's burning right now. I don't know how hot it's going to get, but if it gets, if it gets hot enough, it'll kill the trees in the forest. And in this case, the trees are exchanges. I, I don't think anybody should be using exchanges because it's all a, it's all a casino. It's just shitcoin trading, and I I just it, it I don't see how it does any anybody any good whatsoever. All right, now on how I missed the early days of Bitcoin. Enza Coin has got this one for Bitcoin Magazine. The other day, I was looking through my closet and found a pair of my old Fit Flops. I've never heard of that. Does anybody remember these? Fit flops sold for some $100 and promised to work your legs into shape just by walking. Seeing them made me recall the time I spent traveling across Asia from around 2008 onward. In those years and into the early uh, 2010s, I was busy managing a company based in Hong Kong while accompanying my then boyfriend slash fiance around Asia. He worked on various finance projects with governments in the region, flashing his MBA, two master's degree in finance background, while I occupied my, occupied my days and some nights with corporate matters and adding to my investment portfolio. In those days, that meant investing in various equities, some Asian venture capital funds, and an occasional seed funding opportunity. Apart from that, I also did some modeling for advertisements, and though through this I earned my play money. And what did I intend to do with my play money? I wanted to invest in Bitcoin. So my first steps. In 2010, with Bitcoin's Genesis block having been mined just one year prior, I came across some stories about this wonder currency. I was intrigued and interested in investing. I struggled trying to find enough information and to sort through the comments for and against it. The challenges were massive. It seemed easier just to forget about it and go drink another espresso. How could I invest? How could I sort through the many technical aspects? I I felt like I needed to have a degree in programming. Moreover, I had concerns that if I did figure out where to buy it and how to hold it, then was I going to get some virus on my PC as a result or be pursued by somebody from the dark side after I did? Could I be subjected to the many scams or hacks that I was reading about? It's sad to think, however, that even 14 years after the Genesis block, Some of these impediments remain for many people, stifling greater Bitcoin adoption. As I mentioned earlier, my then-boyfriend fiancé was apparently a financial expert. I mean, he was advising governments on their finances and economic development. He had been investing in stock markets since he was a teenager, so why not ask him for help in his thoughts? One weekend while in Singapore, I sprung the news and my questions. I recalled that day vividly. I mentioned Bitcoin and my desire to buy $100 worth and sell it after it grew to $1,000 worth. I thought it was 
fine to gamble a small amount because even if I lost it all, I would somehow survive the loss, perhaps with only a few hours spent at a therapist. In, anyway, this is what I heard. Quote, what? Bitcoin? Uh, that's just for use by scammers and prostitutes. Okay, I, I forgot to ask how he knew that. But anyway, the discussion continued. I chalked his abrupt comment up to the fact that he had just finished drinking a double shot tall cappuccino with one pump of hazelnut syrup and was hyped full of caffeine and sugar. I realized that I have researched it and understood that it is a token for the gaming sector, an industry that was growing fast. It can increase in value, I added. It can maybe reach $10 someday. I then also reminded him that he promised to buy me a gift. Yes, the elusive fit flops when next in Singapore. I said that rather than buying me those magic shoes, I will just use the money to buy Bitcoin instead. Now, I could have easily bought Bitcoin with my own money, but I wanted to do this as a mutual decision for the future. And I was not a financial expert, so I thought it's still best to seek his input. The discussion continued, and I finally got him to agree to research Bitcoin further with me. Over the next few days, we both tried to find more information on Bitcoin and possible on-ramps. I found one small and seemingly elusive Bitcoin group in Singapore. It seemed at the time that to buy some Bitcoin, you had to know the right people. I felt that, at least since this group was in Singapore, a highly policed and regulated state, that I would not be subject to the many scam sales and post-purchase hacks to steal the coins that existed back then. I wondered how to get in touch with the group, and even if I did, how could I know that they were for real? Nonetheless, I was willing to take a chance, since I would only put around, you know, 100 bucks in. Just my fit flop money. My boyfriend fiancé expert had a... Different view, he was old style, a conservative investor. He was one who followed the Warren Buffett approach. Remember, Warren Buffett didn't invest in any technology stocks until relatively late. The potential to lose $100 sent him into a panic, even if the upside could turn that into $1,000. After finally breaking down my Warren Buffett protege slash panicked boyfriend into agreeing to consider Bitcoin, I tried to reach the elusive Bitcoin group. No email replies. No phone numbers, no addresses to visit. It seemed that the only outcome of my Singaporean Bitcoin adventure would be to own a pair of fit flops. My outreach and research continued over the next few days, but to no avail. It appeared that Bitcoin and the potential to make big returns would have to be saved for a select few techies or traditional wealthy investors. I left Singapore wearing what should have been my Bitcoin on my feet. Years passed. I tried to occasionally catch an article or other news about Bitcoin. Even if I learned more about how to buy and hold it, I was busy working and traveling and found it impossible to find any trustworthy Bitcoin sources to invest in across developing Asia. The region was not the best place to do such research. Even after the founding of some crypto exchanges, they did not serve customers outside of the United States. The start of my Bitcoin journey had to wait till around 2019, while I missed out on the early days of Bitcoin, I can at least take solace that my feet have been happy and comfortable for over a decade. Those damn good shoes. Finally, you might now ask what happened to my then boyfriend slash fiance. Well, that's for another article. <laughs> okay, we'll have to wait for that one. But see, everybody had problems getting into Bitcoin and it's going to continue. It, it's okay. If you missed out, you're still early. That's 
I think not the her point of writing this as much as everybody falls into this trap of well, how do you get it? It's easier now. I get that, but there are some people that are still on the fence about the whole. It's only used for prostitutes and drugs, or I'm going to get scammed out of it, or somebody's going to know that I own it and they're going to come hunt me down and take my family hostage. Come on, guys, just don't wear don't wear Bitcoin swag to places like the Czech Republic, and you should probably be okay. Even if you go to BTC Prague, and you're, but you're not advertising that you own Bitcoin by having all the gear and all the shit hanging off of you when you leave and just walk around town, you'll probably be okay. Reddit, probably not going to be okay. That's right, Reddit. Arjit Sarkar, Cointelegraph, Reddit crypto communities go dark. Here's why. Yeah, because Reddit pissed everybody off. Numerous sub-communities on Reddit, including popular crypto subreddits, unanimously decided to go private for 48 hours to protest against new company policies that prevent the use of third-party applications. In April, Reddit announced plans to modify how users interact with the Reddit Data Application Programming Interface, or API, a seven-year-old application enabling developers to create tools and utilities for moderation and other activities. Most subreddits reacted to the move as Reddit's intention to build native moderator tools directly impacts the community's ability to create and use third-party tools predominantly used for moderating content and interactions. And as a result, communities decided to go private or in read-only modes between June the 12th and June the 14th, protesting the upcoming change. The list includes major crypto communities, which have been instrumental for millions of investors worldwide to discuss various aspects of the ecosystem. Some popular subreddits dedicated to discussing Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies protesting against the change includes R Bitcoin, R Cryptocurrency, and God forbid, R Cardano. Reddit has also received backlash for introducing paid access to its data API. While nearly 3,500 subreddits were estimated to become inaccessible, the numbers would increase if other communities joined the revolt. On the other hand, Reddit CEO Steve Huffman backed the social media platform's decision by revealing the need for being a self-sustaining business. He said, quote, We respect when you and your communities take action to highlight the things you need, including at times going private, which means he does not give a shit, quote, end quote. <clears throat> Moreover, to eradicate the extensive use of third-party moderator tools, Reddit plans to launch mobile, mobile moderator tools for Reddit's iOS and Android apps in the coming months. So, yeah, Reddit has decided to charge an arm and a leg for API access, which means it's out of out of reach for most people that are just, you know, basement coders. They're just either learning how to code or they know how to code really well. And they do it as like a hobby on, on, you know, on the side for their job there. They can't, you can still code, I, you know, whatever, but you're not going to be using Reddit's API. Not anymore. And anybody that's already been using the API, their business model is, is completely destroyed because they depended on somebody over at Reddit to not make the decision to charge an arm and a leg for API access. So all the tools that have already been built with the API access, kiss them goodbye. Unless those tools are making enough money to afford, you know, a couple of million dollars a month. I mean, I've I've seen a bill as high as $20 million a year. It may have been at $20 million a month. I don't know. It's, it's, it's stupid high. But uh, here's, I've said it before, but if you didn't hear me, be, you know, say it before, then I'll say it again. 
Twitter and Reddit um, charging for API access, an arm and a leg, is the reaction to all of the money drying up in the world after the banking crisis. And that's VC money uh, is almost non-existent at this point. And it, it's a very good lesson to understand that what you've been seeing over the last years for free API access on Twitter and Reddit and all kinds of stuff was because they were, gu- they were guzzling money in raise after raise after raise well beyond the time that they should have been self-sustaining. But they just got used to drinking money from the hose. Well, when that money got cut off, they're like, holy shit, we got to charge, otherwise we're going to die. And the amount of money that they're charging is a direct reflection to how much money they were guzzling, which is a direct reflection to how much money the United States government and other fiat currency regimes across the world were printing. That's a lot of money. Just judging from the prices of Twitter's API access and Reddit's API access access costs, I can tell you definitively that they were just cash rich for well over a decade. And that's just scary as shit, bro. Now, RoboSats, okay, RoboSats, it's a, a way to get uh, Bitcoin KYC free. The admin of RoboSats has been banned from Telegram. So they've moved communications to Matrix, Simplex, and you guessed it, Noster, no bullshit, Bitcoin, aka NoBS, Bitcoin.com has it. Quote, you probably know by now, Telegram banned my previous account. I was not given a reason. Also, no replies to the inquiries after two weeks. Most likely, they automatically unbanned it, yet they locked me out of it. Uh, was created with SMS for SATs. Was stated in the announcement. I don't know. That's a bad sentence. Quote, they won't be reckless underscore Satoshi underscore V3. This is the last time I create a Telegram account. We are moving all communications to Simplex and Matrix. General chat moves to Simplex. See pinned message. And to Noster, and then they have a note. You can consider this Telegram group deprecated. The account that owns this group is dead, so it will not be possible to manage it effectively. Of course, we can still use it until the other groups grow, but my responses might often be, ask again over Simplex. I would also encourage you to fully drop Telegram in favor of Simplex, Matrix, or Noster. After the experience of getting my account confiscated, my trust on Telegram operation is null, and we already knew TG privacy is crap. And then he gives uh, the new group links to the Noster chat, to Matrix, and to Simplex. So Telegram is going to be one of these people that also go down the way of Twitter and Reddit, because they were probably also guzzling a fair amount of cash on the backside, and now all that money is gone. And so now they really have to protect themselves and make sure that they don't get in trouble with anybody ever because they are probably just riding on razor's edge between complete success and utter failure. In either event, yes, move to to Noster first, then Matrix and Simplex as considerations. But Noster is where it's happening. You want to help build Noster to what it can be? Then use it for the love of God. 
And that's my other thing. That's why I like the idea of Domus becoming a Swiss Army knife or any client becoming a Swiss Army knife by simply being able to reconfigure event kind filters and maybe unincorporating and reincorporating deactive or activated snippets of code. But the touch of a button and it just converts into Telegram, converts into Matrix, converts into Simplex, converts in, back into Noster, converts into a ride sharing app. Another touch of a button converts into, I don't know, my favorite recipes.com. I, the, the sky's the limit, right? But these different walled gardens that do not talk to each other is not going to bring us what we want. We want one protocol and we want to be able to use that protocol in various ways that look completely different from each other. An experience that is one thing on one client and completely different on another client, yet those clients talk to each other through what? The Nostra protocol. Why Matrix? Why Simplex? Why are we continuously introducing yet one more communications protocol that is walled garden off from anything else in the world. It doesn't make any sense. We're not making any sense when we do this. Please, 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 anybody considering yet one more communication protocol, at least have it integrate even partially with Noster so that information can have a doorway into your walled garden. And your walled garden's information that's produced inside has a way out. It doesn't make any sense anymore. That model never worked unless there was continual money printing. Speaking of, let's run the numbers. All right. Saudi Arabia has been completely pwned by the short sellers on Wall Street. So uh, they Saudi Arabia means absolutely nothing at this point. All of their oil that's underground, all their natural gas means nothing. It has no value whatsoever because a bunch of tie wearing suits over there in Wall Street are basically dictating the price without any real information about what's going on in the world. I guarantee it. Sure, they got CPI. We know it's fake. Sure, they've got gasoline inventories that came in saying, oh, they got more gas than we thought, so we're going to short sell all the shit. I guarantee you the, that is all, all the data that we're getting out of any governmental entity from the West is all propaganda at this point. Nobody in politics wants anybody to know the truth. I guarantee you those gasoline inventories are bullshit. Guarantee you that the crude oil inventories are bullshit. I guarantee you all of it's bullshit. Yet the price of this thing, a commodity, whether you want it to go low or want it to go high, that's not the point. The point is... Saudi Arabia should have been able to call a shot on the last time that they met in Vienna and said, we're going to cut production again. Short sellers said, no, we're just going to short this shit into the ground. West Texas Intermediate down 3.78% to $67.52. We haven't seen that price in a while. Brent North Sea down 3.38% to $72.26. Natural gas down just over a point to $2.22 a thousand. And gasoline down 3.74 points to $2.49 a gallon. Shiny metal rocks are having a bad day too. Gold is down almost half a point to 1968 and 60 cents. 
Silver is down 1.43. Platinum is down one and two thirds of a point. Copper is down 1.11, a short road of sticks. And then palladium is the only winner today, two and three quarters percentage to the upside. I got lumber down a fifth of a point. Biggest winner today in agriculture is corn, 1.78% to the upside. And the biggest loser today is going to be coffee, 2.73% down. Live cattle, whoo, 0.8% to the upside. But the whoo part about it is lean hogs up over four percentage points. Feeder cattle, however, are down but scant. The Dow is up a quarter of a point. S&P is up a third of a point. NASDAQ is up 0.8%. And the S&P mini is up one third of one percentage point. Real money, $25,882.07. That's after 442,000 BTC have been sent around the horn in the past 24 hours. Got an average transaction value of, oh, wow, look, 1.25 BTC and a median transaction value of $21.25. (laughs) Block times are still low. Nine minutes and 56 seconds. I got uh, 0.24 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and a measly scrounging 36 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. With a 4% drop in hash rate, we are at 395 exahashes per second. Ladies and gentlemen, I saw a hash rate per second yesterday of 500 exahashes per second. Of course, it's all over the place. The hash rate calculation, pick your platform. It's going to be different. But I saw a number as high as 501 exahashes per second uh, over on, we'll, we'll actually, we're going to check a mempool here in a minute, but I saw 470 Man, I mean, blocks were screaming over the weekend. It was awesome to see. Dogecoin, uh, your shitcoin indicator, not doing well. 6.1 United States pennies. We have a $500.4 billion market cap. That's 3.89% of gold's market cap. There are 19,400,186.93 BTC in circulation and 5,376 of that is locked in the Lightning Network valued at $138.7 million. 70,650 payment channels that we can see and 64% of all lightning is being run over Tor. There is an estimated difficulty change, positive uh, 3.1% coming in June the 14th of this month. Now, let's see, where are we at? We have about 176 blocks carrying 250,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear uh, you got a low priority of 22 Satoshis per V-byte, high priority of 37, and that's going to cost you about a buck 30 to get a standard SegWit transaction into the next block. Mempool.space's mining is showing a hash rate of 372.1 exahashes per second and a difficulty of 51.23 trillion. So there you go. I don't know what happened with Fountain uh, app yesterday, but I went shot down to number 27 in the charts. And I was like, there were people on top of me that I'd never seen before. that had no boosts whatsoever. I was like, what the hell? But I've come back up to capture the number 13 spot. Oh yeah, number 13 feels so good. Pitar tried to help, but the 20,000 Satoshis that he uh, boosted me did not go through. He says... Quote, can you just talk like a normal effing human being? End quote. Made me laugh, LOL. 
And then he says, P.S., that didn't seem to go through. Sorry, Pitar. I, Oscar says that he's kind of looking at it, but I don't, I don't know what's going on. I've got like 9 million Satoshis of incoming liquidity on my Lightning node. That should be able to be covered. I don't, I don't know what the, and I've got like six, you know, I've only got 17 channels, but some, I mean, I'm routing my, I, I can see it. It's going on. Whatever. Pies 5,000 sat says, sir, David Bennett, a gangster and a gentleman. Thank you. Let's boost this man to the top five. That would be awesome. O2ZX with 2,500 says audio is good. Still. Thank you. Henry G Q J says, with 2000 sats says not sure if this will help you diagnose the issue but it might be useful to know when i boost you and it fails if you look at the breakdown you and fountain don't get any sats but the podcast index still gets their cut so it's at least partially working that makes me wonder if all of it flows through podcast index first and then comes out because of the way routing is done and somehow, maybe because I don't have incoming from Podcast Index, that that's why I'm not getting it. I've got outgoing, I've got uh, outgoing liquidity to Podcast Index, but I don't have a channel open with them, uh, or don't have a a whole lot of incoming liquidity on that side. I don't know what to do about this, but thank you, Henry. I I appreciate it. Nick underscore dose with one three six nine says cheers, and Dubravko, who is now firmly in the circle P, we'll get to that. Uh, AI, please draw Donkey Kong Nuremberg trials <laughs> with a thousand sats. Dubrovko with another thousand says, my world's on fire. How about yours? That's the way I like it. And I'll never get bored. Another time Robin Hood massages the market. Check out or check into who was on the board during the GameStop fiasco. That was funny. BB, the well-connected. And I can't remember who was on the board. I really can't. Was it Balaji? Who knows? I don't know. Somebody knows who was on the board. Please, you know, boost me. Let me know. Uh, Yegro with uh, 744 says, keep hammering, brother. I will. Wartime Psycho with 500 says, audio sounds the same to me. And he does that again. He gives me two two boosts with 500 says the same thing. O2ZX says, oh, by the way, you don't need to read out my boost. Oh, whoops. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> O2ZX with another boost says, yeah, I am going to read this one. Uh, 500 sat says happy about the compression. I had gigabytes of Bitcoin and had to delete to preserve hard drive. Apple podcast seems to store it all when fountain desktop or phone with cat six ETH cable. Not sure exactly how that works, but apparently the audio seems fine to most people. So I'm going to keep it here. Because it's like, instead of 100 megabytes per show, it's like 30, right? That's got to be helping people somewhere. And I, I don't want to be overburdensome. And I'm, I feel embarrassed that I've been doing it the other way for like four years. But it is what it is. Sorry. Jim Leahy with 420 says, stay sexy and stack sats. God's death, 370. Thank you, sir. And 353 from MCOT says, cheers. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Welcome to part two of the news you can use brought to you by the Circle P. Strange things are afoot at the Circle P. And today I've got Dubrovko. Uh, you can find Dubrovko. Where is the? Oh, man, I, I, I completely cheesed out and forgot to get my thing here. There we go. Dubrovko, 
His <clears throat> Noster handle is Oak Grove. So at O-A-K, and then I hit a space and then type in Grove. If you're not following him already, the you know not client searches on Noster, some will get him uh, get you to him, and some won't. So I'll have his inpub in the show notes. What does Dubrovko sell? He sells black soldier fly larva, either frozen or fresh, or at least that's what I understand. Black soldier fly larva is a, it's a really cool animal. It's okay. Let's get down to it. It's a maggot, except it's not like a horse fly maggot. All right. This is, this is a different kind of fly. The adults have no mouth and they have no anus. All they have is sexual organs. They're built to breed. They're eating, so they can't eat when they're an adult. Their final stage, they starve until they have sex and die. So they better have sex before they starve to death because they don't have any way to sting you. They don't have any way to crap on your windows. They don't have any way to bite you. They have no no gear. All of their nutrition is gained in the larval stage or quote, quote unquote the maggot stage. And they've rifle through meat, vegetables, the grass. If it's organic, these sons of bitches will chew through it. In fact, in fact, forensic guys, the guys that are like, you know, that dig up like, you know, half rotted human remains and they're trying to figure out who it is. They use black soldier fly. They also use a couple of other things, but one of the things they use is black soldier fly to eat all of the rotted meat off of the bone. And they'll do it inside of 24 hours if there's enough of them. <clears throat> Highly nutritious. It's like 43% crude fat. Like well over, I think it's like 40% crude protein and the rest is like water. It's like fat and protein. You feed it to ducks, you feed it to chickens, you feed it to fish. I mean, this stuff is, it's bugs. So you're a human. This is not human food. But it is food for the food that humans eat. So you can get some. And I would, when you, when you get uh, your package from Dubrovko or when you order from Dubrovko, and again, his end pub will be in the show notes. When you order, get some live ones. If you're just going to get them, you know, frozen or already dead or whatever to feed chickens or ducks. Good. That's fine. Get some live ones and then let them out into your, into a shady spot in your yard. They will bore into the ground because this is part of their life cycle. And then that's where they form adults. If you start a compost pile before they come out as adults, they will start breeding in the compost pile. If you have a bin of like old, you know, old uh, like plate scrapings or whatever, and you keep that outside, they will get in there and they will start breeding and you'll be able to breed your own black soldier fly. I'm going to do a show entirely on black soldier fly. So don't worry. We'll get into more of that, but if you need to get it and he's got some live ones, Dubrovko's your man, newest pleb at the circle P. Now let's get into this one. Court finds that a Dow is a person and they're talking about DAOs or decentralized autonomous organizations. One of them owes $643,542 in a shutdown order. Uh-oh, decrypt. Ryan Ozawa tells us about this little turn of events. In a court ruling that could have broad implications for the popular decentralized autonomous organization structure, a federal district judge ruled in favor of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission 
and its civil enforcement action against Uki Dow last year. In what the CFTC declares as a sweeping victory, the court found that the Dow is a person under the Commodity Exchange Act. Oh, this is going to be fun. Quote, the founders created the Uki Dow with an evasive purpose and with the explicit goal of operating an illegal trading form or platform without legal accountability, said CFTC Division of Enforcement Director Ian McGinley in a prepared statement. When the CFTC filed its action against Uki Dow in 2022, another judge ruled that it could not go after the nebulous organization, serving notice via chat rooms and online forums, but had to name actual people. Tom Bean and Kyle Kissner, founders of the B0X protocol that was Uki Dow's predecessor. The agency did so, and Bean and Kissner settled the case with a $250,000 fine. Along with the settlement, however, the CFTC decisively went after the Uki Dow, to which the founders bequeathed their operations once they were targeted by re- regulators. Quote, by transferring control to a Dow, B0X's founders touted to B0X community members the operations would be, quote, enforcement proof. The CFTC noted in a statement, however, they asserted, quote, U.S. financial regulations apply equally to entities with more traditional business structures as well as to DAOs, end quote. The possibility of a DAO being subject to lawsuits and law enforcement was troubling enough for venture capital firm Paradigm to ask to intervene in the case, saying the case would seriously threaten the viability of DAOs. Friday's ruling by U.S. District Judge William H. Oreck means DAOs are not immune, despite the submission of any amicus briefs from other parties commenting on the case. Uki Dow did not respond to multiple subpoenas. As a result, Oreck issued a default judgment against Uki Dow for operating an illegal trading platform and unlawfully acting as a futures commission merchant. Uki Dow must now pay a civil monetary penalty of $643,000 and shut down entirely, banning trades and cutting web hosting and domain name registration services to remove its content from the internet. This decision should serve as a wake-up call to anyone who believes they can circumvent the law by adopting a DAO structure, intending to insulate themselves from law enforcement and ultimately putting the public at risk, McGinley said. Quote, not a good outcome for DAOs, commented CEHV partner Adam Cochran on Twitter. Quote, there are certainly challenges with this decision and how it will stand as precedent. End quote. End of article. That, don't let this one slip away. Even if you hate DAOs, because most of the DAOs that we saw came out of Ethereum and it's a shitcoin casino, you know, structure. I get it. I get it. I get it. But back in the early days... A DAO is actually a pretty good idea. And I'm not defending Ethereum. I'm just saying that just because they picked it up first doesn't mean that the idea itself hadn't been bounced around by a great many Bitcoiners before Ethereum was even a twinkle in Vitalik Buterin's eye. All right? It just so happened that Vitalik Buterin made that mother asshole from which all shit coins are birthed and then birthed a DAO, which was immediately hacked in 2015, right after it was like right after, uh, Ethereum, uh, was launched. They did this, uh, DAO for something called Slocket. It was immediately hacked and they immediately forked, uh, Ethereum to not include the hack. So since its inception, 
the ledger that is the Ethereum ledger has been a complete and total lie, but be that as it may, the decentralized autonomous organization conceptually is a good idea. But now it's being targeted because it's been given personhood by the CFTC in the United States, which means the long ass arm of the you know, United States regulatory oversight guys will be able to bitch slap just about anybody over any border, no matter what anybody says. Thankfully, Bitcoin doesn't have any real DAOs going on, and it certainly isn't dependent on a DAO for its underlying protocol. So I wouldn't worry about that. But most of the shitcoin casinos have DAOs involved. Think SushiSwap. Think that entire, remember the summer of food where it was like you mine your sushi and make sandwiches out of it and then trade your sandwich tokens for yield on like, I don't know, squash swap or whatever. Yeah. All that shit is all a Dow. It's all burning down. All of it's burning down. If it can't, I've always said, if it looks like it can be regulated, it will be regulated in light of the forest fire that's burning. I'm going to change that. If it can burn, it will burn and DAOs are going to burn. Somebody do something. Somebody think of the children, but we've got other things to talk about. Uh, Noster Mesh. This is out of nobullshitbitcoin.com. Actually, no, it's nobsbitcoin.com, but Noster Mesh. Self-healing ESP32 Noster Arduino, sorry, Arduino-based mesh network. Self-healing ESP32 Nostra Arduino-based mesh network. Quote, the simplicity of the Nostra protocol makes it ideal to use with mesh networking. Oh, I get so excited when I hear about somebody start talking about mesh and lightweight protocols. I love it. Quote, started Nostra mesh. Up to 20 megabits per second microcontroller Nostra-powered self-healing mesh network. Been thinking and getting excited about this project for a while. Made possible by Black Coffee BTC, excellent Nostra Arduino library. Developer Ben Ark wrote on Twitter. So Ben Ark is, in, is doing this one. All right. While utilizing Wi-Fi for node connections imposes a range limitation of less than 200 meters, it significantly boosts bandwidth, thereby enabling the sharing of internet access across the mesh network. ESP32 microcontrollers are both highly affordable and widely accessible. With a mere $1 cost for the basic controller, nodes can be effortlessly integrated into passive electronics such as light bulbs, facilitating the creation of a robust mesh network. Each Noster mesh node has the ability to, number one, establish a Wi-Fi station. Two, set up a WebSocket server. Three, connect to a WebSocket. Four, Run a stateless Noster relay for sending and receiving events using Noster Arduino. Five, run a Noster client using Noster Arduino. Code to follow soon, and then a link to the GitHub repo is given for it. Um, I am in love with this idea like I used to be in love with the mesh network from Gotenna. But it turns out that the Gotenna mesh network doesn't really seem to deliver 
and the I guess the 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 antenna units for Gotenna don't really deliver what has been promised by that company. Um, we've got a ways to go for mesh networking. But if you don't know what mesh networking is, I don't know, think of a spider web. Think of what we already know as a decentralized network, except instead of Bitcoin or Noster, it's about internet communications. And if you wonder that whether or not that's important, uh, you're, you know, yes, it is. I'm just going to say it. It's If you think it's not, you're just wrong. All right. We've got everything must be decentralized communications, especially those that are dependent on, you know, communication companies like AT&T to provide internet access through pipes. We've got to have ways that a network has the ability to feed off of several different pipes so that if AT&T decides to pull the plug on the internet in the United States, but like say some other United States-based company doesn't and they have internet access and they're not willing to pull the plug because of threats or whatever, then the mesh network can just feed the same information to all the clients that you're using to do this Noster mesh network thing And you shouldn't, in theory, actually see any change. Maybe bandwidth changes. Maybe you see a little bit of hiccups in the network, but it still works. That's what mesh networking, as far as what I'm reading here, promises. And you attach that with Noster, and then you run Bitcoin over it, Lightning Network over it. Holy shit. Man, nothing stops the juggernaut. Nothing stops the juggernaut. Let's see. What do we got here? We got um, Bitcoin is anti-fragile to regulatory pressures, according to Blockstream CEO Adam Back. Decrypt, written by Andrew Asmakov. Should a major cryptocurrency exchange operating in the United States stop servicing its clients due to regulatory pressures, the crypto industry will eventually find a way around, according to Blockstream CEO Adam Back. See, think of mesh networking. Quote, the system is anti-fragile, Back told Decrypt during uh, the BTC Prague conference. Quote, something is a problem? Ah, They'll do something else or create an economic incentive for somebody. Some other company that had a different strategy will get a large amount of users. It's a market and there's a demand. Once an exchange shuts down or stops servicing one market, people will just move to another exchange or move to an international exchange, said Adam Back. Back likened the crypto market to water, noting that, quote, it just flows around. There are workarounds and the market is very efficient, but there's this huge appetite to do things, end quote. Last week, the U.S. SEC launched enforcement actions against Binance and Coinbase, suing both of them. Amid this growing pressure, Binance's U.S. subsidiary even made the decision to suspend dollar deposits, informing customers that its banking partners were preparing to temporarily halt its fiat withdrawal channel. The Blockstream boss, however, believes that if U.S. wire transfers are restricted, Bitcoin traders will move to open bank accounts in euros or Swiss francs to start trading in a different currency. Quote, there are some more crypto-friendly banks in Europe, in Switzerland and Gibraltar, which will even accept tether deposits and convert between USDT and dollars or euros as a bank service. They also will typically allow you to buy and sell Bitcoin, maybe with less advanced features because they're more of a bank than an exchange. End quote. According to him, this means there are always new options. 
and every problem sort of just moves things around to somewhere else. Blockstream CEO Back is best known as the inventor of Hashcash, a proof-of-work system used to prevent email spam. He told Decrypt that Satoshi Nakamoto, the pseudonymous creator of Bitcoin, would probably be happy to see how the space has evolved since 2009 uh, when the world's first cryptocurrency was launched. Quote, it's grown a lot. There's a lot of different types of individuals and companies and even countries that are so effective in Bitcoin. So it now seems like it tends to surprise to the upside as things are happening, happening earlier than expected. So that's think of mesh network. When I go back and and talk about that, uh, Noster Arduino mesh networking, Wi-Fi thing that we were just talking about, think of anti-fragile. That's why mesh networking is important. I, I, it takes somebody like Adam back to smack me in the face enough times to go, the word you're looking for, pal, is anti-fragile. It presents an anti-fragility. We've seen it work in Bitcoin. That's what Adam's talking about here. But if you apply anti-fragility to something else, like say a forest or mesh networking, something like that, then you see the true power of what it is to have multiple connections running to multiple nodes and each one of those nodes having as many connections to each of the other nodes as it possibly can. That helps provide anti-fragility. Now, I think we are well over an hour, so I'm going to end it there. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, joke time. I was at a bar. I was sitting down, a guy looks at me, and we're, we just start talking, and he finally says, you know, I like to tell dad jokes. So I answered him, does he laugh? He looked at me like, what? I had to call him an amateur, got up and left. Different kind of joke. I had to do that one because it was sent to me several times on Noster as a two-panel picture of a Star Trek meme, and it's almost impossible almost impossible to actually make those into jokes in the spoken word. I tried my best. It's Monday. Give me a break. What did we learn today? Antifragility is still something that we need to be talking about. Decentralized autonomous organizations are not as anti-fragile as anybody thought they were. They're in trouble. The only truly decentralized autonomous organization that I believe can be had is probably something that somebody releases into the wild and has absolutely no forensic connection to it, which means that they don't have any real incentive other than to quote, stick it to the man to create such a thing. Cause they're not going to get financially lubricated for lack of a better term, but it is what it is. Having connections and saying, okay, well we started it, but then we gave it to the community. That's not going to stop. That's not going to stop this shit. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how a court case that has a DAO as a defendant, because they're listing it as a person in the United States, how that proceeds. I I think it's, honestly, it's fascinating. I get the feeling that it might be reaching at straws, but we'll have to see. But what's the real underlying message that they're sending? Nothing is safe. That's what they're trying to tell us. And for the great guts and feathers of the whole thing, that this entire 99.99% of crypto is Ponzi, they, in fact, are correct. Not so with Bitcoin. 
It's different. And this is what maximalists have been screaming for years. We keep getting pointed at. We keep getting laughed at. We keep getting called names. People like Nick Carter keep wetting the bed all the time, every time we say anything, and we are always right. We're always right. We've been right. We're right today. We will continue to be right. Not because we are maxis. We're just right. It's the only thing that can survive this onslaught because it doesn't have any of the features that any of the courts or regulators can get their hands around, much less their heads. But gear up for a fight because we are in the then they fight you phase. No two ways about it. How do you work? How do you, how do you navigate it? You buy Bitcoin, you hold Bitcoin. Do your shopping at Circle P. Today's featured uh, shelf item is Dubrovko's fresh and frozen, or maybe just dried, black soldier fly larva. Get both kinds if he still has the, the live ones that he can send you and make sure that you release the live ones into your soil so that you will have the chance to be able to keep your own population of these things. Because if you've got kitchen waste, black soldier fly larva, best way to not let it get into the landfills. After black soldier flies do their thing, they leave this thing called frass. I wouldn't use it directly in my garden, but I would throw it in a full-blown compost pile. That way, whether it's meat, which you're not supposed to put in a compost pile, but when you feed it to black soldier fly, totally fine. Celery, bits of like, you know, like old rice, whatever you scrape off of your plate. Did your dog eat it? Did your cat eat it? Did you eat it? Is there something left over that you need to throw away? Well, then put it into a black soldier fly bin and kiss it goodbye. Because after that shit gets composted in a compost pile, you can use it anywhere. It's lovely. Again, I will have a full episode just devoted to Black Soldier Fly. Thank you, Dubrovko, for becoming a member of the Circle P. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.